When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. How's your plant world doing? Boy, oh boy, these temperatures going up and down and all around. Not cool enough to really have too much of an impact on the plant material, though, that I'm noticing or seeing. So if you'd like to talk about your plant world, you can simply give us a call. It's 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And as I do every Saturday morning, I started off with the good gardening stroll. And then afterwards, we can discuss what's going on with your trees, your perennials, why that hillside keeps eroding away. Oh, you took those honeysuckle out? Well, that's great that you got rid of the honeysuckle, but when you take honeysuckle out... If it's on a hillside, you're going to have to put something right back in, a, in its place or else you're going to get some erosion. So just realize that getting rid of one thing, you've got to replace it with something else, especially on a hillside. How about those shrubs? What's your lawn doing? How about ground cover? And, uh, well, let's step inside. How's your tropical world? Do they need routine care and maintenance? Is your pets doing anything to your outdoor plant material? And what is a potting mix versus potting soil? Pruning, insect troublemakers, suspicious growth or spots, transplanting, taking cuttings, and beyond. I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision. But the action you decided to take is going to be on your shoulders. And please remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you having me over into your plant world. If you want to have that, guess what? Well, first of all, let's talk about Drew. Drew's here, and he's producing, so he answers the phone. He just needs to have your first name, and uh, when he's not talking on the phone to people, he'll be pushing the buttons. I'm Mike Miller, by the way, and I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides a Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home, your plant world, for an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And uh, today, after the show, I'm headed to Kirkwood. So, well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. East on Loughborough, south on Broadway, down to Quincy. There's a huge wall mural painted on a wall there. And it has a tomato, it has corn, it has squash, watermelon, and other edibles as well. And it's painted by Matthew Skinner. And it sets a tempo for this community garden. For the individual plots, on one section are have cedar blocks as the edger for the individual plots. And in another area, they have stones. 
and there's a, a pecan tree. And the pecan, I looked down on the ground. I didn't realize it was a pecan tree until I looked on the ground. I thought, what are all these pecan shells doing down here? And then I looked up in the tree, and I, whoa, there was a lot of pecans in this particular tree. There's compost piles as well. The iris are all budded, not flowering yet. There's some tomato cages that are piled up against the fence on the side, and they're being ready, or they're ready to be used. And there's a couple different plots of rhubarb plants that look very good. There's a shed full of pots and fence posts. And there's a huge pile running along a fence that uh, recently pulled weeds. And they are so recent that they are still green. They haven't really started to turn brown yet. There's benches. There's bird bath pedestals. And there's bird baths that set up on top of the pedestals as well. There's fruit trees. There's a, a pot full of sedum. There's birds all over the bird houses all over the place. Some are up into the trees and some are just kind of laying there that need to be, you know, let's say reconstructed uh, kind of. There's some great big black plastic pots that line the sidewalk in between the sidewalk and uh, the street of Quincy. The sky is brightened. Boy, that breeze is chilly this morning, though. I'm glad I put on a windbreaker before I got out of my car. And this April morning, there was multiple doves all over the place, as well as other birds that are just really kind of checking out, seeing, uh, is there anything for me to eat here? There's, some ha- there's a nice handmade colorful sign that says, Neighbors Helping Neighbors, and it goes on a little bit more than that. The sun was shining off these tanks that were across the street, across Broadway. I'm not sure what that area actually is, but the, there's several different types of uh, tanks that are uh, the same type uh, sitting there. But the sun was reminding me that, well, maybe it's time I should get going. So that's what I did. Headed and I uh, went up Broadway the whole way, all the way up to Jefferson. And I'll tell you, Broadway south of Bates is kind of interesting from a, let's say, just an interesting standpoint. But the attitude of Broadway changes a lot more, or a lot different when it goes north of Bates. And it was really kind of a unique circumstance. So anyway, it was a nice, good gardening stroll. And uh, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go ahead and get a call in before we take a break. Let's go to Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, uh, thanks so much for your service. I've got a question. We moved out to the country and we have some land and it looks like we have mustard weed. What would kill that? Any suggestions? Do you want an, are you against herbicides? No. Okay, so (laughs) any kind of broadleaf weed killer will kill it. Okay, so nothing in particular. Is it a noxious weed? Do you know, is it considered a, a noxious weed? Well, from the standpoint, it is pretty invasive. Okay. So, I mean, right. and the leaves are huge, and, I mean, it's really, unless you just don't like it and it's you're going to plant something else in the area, I would just leave it, but that's your choice. Oh, really? Sure. Okay, okay. All right. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure, and thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go over to Steve's. Hi, Steve. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have some strawberry plants that I put in uh, maybe a month ago, and they're all starting to 
bloom. And I've heard uh, different things either way about pinch them off, get rid of them so that they'll be stronger next year, or or am I actually going to get any strawberries this year? Well, you may get some strawberries as far as how tasteful and everything they're going to be. I would uh-huh. say you're probably better off just to not let them get it well-established, get the root system established and everything else. And any kind of flowering slash producing fruit weakens the plants. So I would say don't let them, you know, you can let them flower, but if you start to see any kind of fruit forming, just pinch that off. Okay. I, I also have some uh, spice viburnum plants that uh, are about three, four feet tall right now. And it took three years before they finally did some flowering. And the flowering lasted about a week. And now it's gone. <laughs> and I'm wondering, are they going to flower again? Or is this just uh, something I just have to wait until they get ready to really produce? Yeah, it's uh, more so it's just a genetics. I mean, there's several different varieties of viburnum that are in flower right now. But these have been in flower for an extended period of time. This one may be the exposure and everything else. Also, just uh, variety-wise, may have something to do with a, let's say, shorter period of bloom. But it, more than likely, it's related to the weather. And if it's only three years in the ground, it doesn't really have a tremendously well-established root system to be able to kind of monkey around with the way the weather's been. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate the information. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, and let's go to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. I got some boxwoods that died off in that is the weather doing that, or is something I better be looking for? No, it's probably the weather. Boxwood really, and a lot of the broadleaf evergreens suffered with that kind of late fall cold snap. And, I mean, some of them have recovered, but some have not. So it just depends upon the overall health, the exposure, and everything else. So if you're just, if all the foliage is totally brown and it should be falling off by now, uh, you could just leave it and see what happens. They may leaf back out, but uh, they may be goners. Okay. How late can I plant some? Uh, probably you're getting right on the cusp because putting any kind of plant material, especially broadleaf evergreens, in the ground, you know, it, it is still April, so you still got, you know, a period of time. But if you plant them too late, then it's got to face our summertime, and the summertime is the worst time of year for them, other than, of course, these severely cold snap circumstances. Okay, how about redbud tree? Redbud trees? Yeah, are they any good for this area? Oh, yeah, they're native, they're tough, they're durable, and uh, just realize that don't put it up too close to your house because they get pretty good size. Yeah, well, can we, it's all right to... Have the go buy one, have the nursery plant them this time of year? Sure. Okie dokie, then. Uh, thank you very much. Well, my pleasure. And I'm assuming the nursery will dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but leave the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. So if there's any kind of settling at all, then it should be okay. All righty. Well, 
make sure they do that. How's that? All right. Sounds perfect. Uh, thank you, Mike. Yep. And now let's head over to, let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, hey, I got some uh, vinca that I'm trying to eradicate, and it's mingled into some uh, large uh, pompous grass clumps, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, I was wondering, will broadleaf broad uh, herbicides, would they hurt pompous grass? No, they won't or hurt the grass. They... Okay. So Just any any type of grass would right. be yeah, they not harmed. Yeah, the broadleaf uh, weed killers only go after the broadleaf weeds where you got to get a grass killer to kill grass. But in, you know, yeah, in the reverse okay. of that, that won't hurt, you know, the broadleaf plants. Yeah. Now, now Vinca is pretty tough stuff. You are uh, kidding. Do you think the broadleaf killer will do anything to it? Well, is this the the one that's got the blue flowers on it right now? Right. Yeah. yeah. Periwinkle. The, yeah. Yeah. And the foliage is uh, the green or is it the one that's variegated? No, it's green. Okay. So it, they're yeah. tough for sure. So probably what you should do, I don't know how thick it is or anything else, but uh, try to bruise the foliage right before you you know, putting kind of oh, herbicide okay. on it. So it opens oh, up okay. so open up some wounds, but still it's going to probably take a couple of years to get it under control. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've managed to do it in a couple of spots, that, but in the uh, pompous grass kind of complicates things. It's, <laughs> it's, it's woven in there pretty tight. Yeah. So Okay, okay, great, thanks. Yeah, good luck with that. That's going to be a job that's unbelievable. Now let's head over to Margaret's yard. Hi, Margaret. Hi, I have two questions. Can you tell me anything at all about a, a plant called lesser celandine, celandine? Um, not, nothing I, rings I took, a bell right now. I took a picture of it from someone's yard, and when I stopped at the nursery, they said no one carries it because it's very invasive. Oh, hmm. So, okay, if you don't know anything about it, then that's fine. Then I'll go on with my second question. Right. I, I don't know the name of this particular tree. Um, it's a, in my head, it's a Japanese kind of a thing. It's not a topiary. It's one that kind of, uh, it's a slender and it leans over like it's drooping. Um, and I planted one about five or six years ago. The middle is completely bare. Now the top has new growth on it. Any ideas? I had the nursery plant it. So I just don't, I don't know what the name of the thing is. So it's like, guess, we, is it weeping cherry? It's not a weeping cherry. I had a weeping cherry. It's not a flowering. It's an evergreen. It's oh. a it's a fir tree. Wow. Hmm. And you're and saying they're very, yeah, they're very popular. I just wish I knew the name of it to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's a little tough without knowing the name. So, what's your problem with it? I I'm just wondering what potentially could be the reason why the middle is all barren and the top has complete new growth. About a third of the middle. A third of the total uh, height is is bare. It's like it just got wiped out in the in the cold or the frost or something, and then the top third is completely normal. Well, all the conifers will have a tendency to not have any kind of growth on the inside because it's been shaded by the outside growth. Uh, maybe that could be the reason. Although so I, don't. I mean, all of them will have that. Any kind of broadleaf plant will have that. So whether it's our evergreen plant, whether it's a conifer or whether it's a broadleaf. So the uh-huh. center is always going to be this, you know, the twigs and stems and everything else. Over time, as they age, you know, it's going to drop the needles or drop the leaves. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. 
Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Bye. Yep. And if you do have any questions, we've got phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. A little uh, kind of side story related to me. On April 24th, 1969, I left St. Louis. I had just joined the Air Force and I was being flown down to San Antonio for basic training for the Air Force. So that's 54 years ago. I... <laughs> I had never flown in a plane before, and uh, it was really quite the experience, needless to say. So, 1969, April 24th. So, 54 years ago, it's hard to believe that. Can I possibly be that old? Anyway, other things that you need to be thinking about in your landscape. Uh, with the azaleas and rhododendrons as a finish... Some, you know, you read something that says about pinching off the blossoms as they fade. That's, that, you know, that's a lot of work. You don't really have to do that. It doesn't, you know, the flowering, you know, once they're finished flowering, they're just going to kind of drop. But make sure that you're keeping, you know, the soil acidic. And if you start to say, I was at a house the other day, and the foliage, the azaleas were in flower. So they looked really good. But the foliage was starting to get that yellowish cast to it. So the leaf will look yellow, but the veins of the leaf will look green. And that means the acidity of the soil is not quite right. So you need to get some iron sulfate or probably what you really need to do is get some soil testing done and find out what's going on. And uh, as the spring flowering bulbs finish, Make sure that uh, you don't cut down the foliage just because the flowers are finished because the longer the foliage, until the foliage is uh, at least half brown, it's going to still build up the flower, the bulb for flowering uh, next spring. So keep that in mind. So if you don't do that, then you're going to have some real trouble. Uh, because I mean, sometimes they're going to be trouble as far as the spring flowering bulbs just because of a genetic, you know, genetic situation. But this is a time of year, too, that you can start planting the summer bulbs, whether it be gladiolas, whether it be caladiums, whether it be dahlias, cannas, or elephant ears, because this is when they really start looking good. And uh, that's, you know, kind of fun to get out there and, and do that. And they're really, you know, tough and durable. Now, something like the gladiolas are going to give you foliage and they're going to give you flowers and they're going to be goners but the most of them will continue to probably uh, provide aesthetics all the way through the summertime but the gladiolas have a really short period of time where they're going to be any kind of uh you know let's say interesting looking i shouldn't say that but they are interesting looking is we're in that transition zone where the zoysia the warm season grasses are starting to really green up and the cool season grasses are still looking good and uh, just realize that there's going to be a transition point where the warm season grasses of zoysia is going to take over and aesthetically look a lot better than the cool season grasses because the cool season grasses can't take that heat. And you, you know, keep one last, you know, fertilizing on the cool season, you know, lawns. This would be now and I wouldn't fertilize them as we get closer and closer to summer because it's going to be uh, not so good if you try to push some growth. And uh, with the warm season lawns, this is a time when you should start fertilizing. 
and plan on fertilizing monthly all the way up until probably uh, August or so. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-9... Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Margaret's yard. Hi, Margaret. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I live live in a condo that has a courtyard and a fence at the end of it. And on the outside of the fence, which is the front yard, I have two Nandina shrubs that were beautiful. They, you know, with the berries and just very full. Right. And all of a sudden, I've looked at them, and they're like sticks, brown sticks. <laughs> What's happened to them? <laughs> uh, well, that cold snap that I was talking, I don't know if you are listening earlier, but the boxwood and lots of different broadleaf evergreens got damaged by that cold snap in the fall. And that's what happened to them, almost all the Nandinas. And some of them have started to recover and pushed out some new growth from the bottom, but all the above-ground growth has been pretty much... But uh, you just go ahead and just leave it alone and wait and for another month or so. And if you don't see any growth coming off the, the stems that are coming up out of the ground, uh, just cut those off. And then hopefully there will be some coming off the root system. So don't, don't trim them back now, in other words. Well, I mean, you can or you can just wait. Okay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's a you know an aesthetic call. If you don't want to sort of like, oh no, I'm sick and tired of looking at these because they they don't really look all that good when they're brown. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but it's such a beautiful plant. Right. All right. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, they're uh, a plant that uh, you know probably have only been around in our region as far as uh, in the market for maybe ten years or so, and they really have become quite popular. It's really kind of surprising. Let's head over to Jerry's yard now. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yes, sir. I have a question about tulips. And I plant them every year in this big flower bed in my front yard. 
And uh, when they run their course, I take them up and I process the bulbs and I do all that stuff and make way for my summertime plants. Okay. However, this year, my bed looks particularly outstanding. So <laughs> I didn't want to mess with it, but I've read where sometimes they're not as good, they're not as prolific if you run them, you know, two years in a row or three years in a row. So I was wondering what your your advice would be regarding that. Can I just leave them in the ground and hope that they'll be this nice again next year? Or how does all that work? Yeah, for the most part, the tulips have been hybridized over the over time. And their lifespan, as far as, let's say, aesthetically producing, now they'll produce foliage, you know, for multiple years. But as far as producing flowers, after a couple years, that may stop. And sometimes it's after only one season, depending upon the variety. So even pulling them up out of the ground may not make a difference, you know, in certain situations. I would say just go ahead and leave them and uh, just kind of keep your fingers crossed when next year comes around. And hopefully if you get another good showing out of them, uh, then you'll have to decide if you want to go ahead and leave them in the ground or you want to go ahead and just kind of pull them up and put some new ones in. I see what you're saying. So it's kind of hit and miss, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, variety-wise, but just genetically, the tulips don't have a long uh, lifespan as far as from an aesthetic standpoint. So they might not look this good next year. Right. Probably, uh, I mean, the, if some of them will probably flower, <clears throat> and then consequently, just there's going to be some that are just going to produce foliage without any flowers at all. I've had that happen too in the past on other tulip beds in my yard. So. Right. Okay. Well, I certainly appreciate your help. Sure. And with Thank the, you, sir. with all the spring flowering bulbs, remember to keep you know. They've, you know, whether they're finished flowering or not, it's quite surprising that there's still some that are in bloom. But go ahead and, you know, fertilize them with half the label rate, and uh, that should that should help them somewhat. And just leave the foliage until it turns half brown before you cut it off. And now let's head over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for uh, talking with me. Uh, just a side remark first. Um, February 14th, 1964, I flew from Detroit to San Antonio to begin my um, Air Force enlistment, so uh, you don't have to feel all that old compared to me anyway. <laughs> you five um, years before me. <laughs> amen, yeah. So, you know, you're just a kid compared to me. Yes. Um, I, I just wanted to tell people that the uh, Greater St. Louis Iris Society is having a meeting. It's meeting um, this Sunday, April 23rd at 2 p.m. at the uh, Missouri Botanical Gardens CBEC building, which is just north of O'Connell's, right across the street from O'Connell's. There's a big parking lot in front of it, and it's, um, as I said, it's going to be at uh, 2 p.m. And then... Um, uh, there's, I can get more information later, but the um, it's going to have the Iris show on uh, Mother's Day, May 14th also. Wow. But just wanted to let people know about the meeting and that the, the Iris show will be uh, May 14th. Well, that sounds perfect. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, and thanks for serving in the Air Force, too. <laughs> uh, thanks to you, too. Uh, thanks for your service. Sure. <laughs> And now let's see what's going on in Jason's yard. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. I uh, 
I had a bunch of concrete work done around the house, had uh, a new driveway, sidewalk, porch put in. And and uh, so I got like a three-foot uh, border around all the all the construction that I just need to get some grass growing in there as, really as fast as possible. Don't really want to mess with any sod or anything like that. Wonder what you could recommend as far as uh, just just something to get some grass growing that you know I don't I don't expect it to be anything long and sustaining just something uh, for a quick you know just just to get something going so I don't have mud. <laughs> yeah, I would say you know go to I don't know what kind of lawn that you have beyond this area that got uh, let's say construction. To, uh, but uh, probably go to your favorite garden center and just get a, a fescue blend and just okay. do that. Is there is there anything I need to to add with that as far as a fertilizer or anything like that? Well, seed starter type fertilizer, yes. And if this is probably su- kind of subsoil too, and that's going to be somewhat of a problem. And there's going to be problems from the standpoint that all these hardscapes, once summer comes around, they're going to be really getting warm, and then they're going to make it so any kind of the grass seed that did germinate that's uh, adjacent to it within, like, let's say, three to four to six inches may mm-hmm. get burnt by just the heat of the, let's say, pizza pizza oven that uh, the, the concrete prov- or permits. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. So, All right. That sounds great. I appreciate it. Thank yep. you. And then do your main seeding uh, in August, September. That's when the the best time to do it is going to be. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Thanks oh, for your time. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a Japanese maple. I'm not sure what the uh, variety is. I know there are several. But it's been there about 40 years, and as it's coming out, this season, the entire middle appears to be gone. Now, I'm sure I have to cut that out, but I want to make sure I'm not going to damage it. Yeah, I would say just don't worry about that. I'm surprised that, you know, you've had leaves all the way in the center, but the Japanese maple, depending upon the variety, can have foliage, you know, into the interior because the foliage on the exterior is not thick enough to shadow off the, let's say, the bud's that are on the interior part of the branches and twigs. So okay. this is just something, you know, just a natural occurrence. And you said it was 40 years old? Yeah, I'm sure it is 40. Yeah, it's on the side of the house. Wow. And I, I've trimmed it back occasionally because, you know, it goes over the sidewalk. Right. But, again, when it came out, the entire middle is just the twigs. I mean, there's no, there's no leaves on it. So I feel like I should cut that out. Well, you can cut any of the twigs off that don't don't have any foliage, but that's a lot of work. I don't know if you want to do that or not, because ultimately they're going to fall off anyway. Okay. And the second thing is someone had told me several years ago that I shouldn't let my lawn service who fertilizes my trees fertilize my two Japanese maples. Is that a truth or... Fiction or what? No, they can they can fertilize them. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. I love your show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And let's go ahead and take a break. And after we come back from break, we'll be talking to John and Gloria. And we do have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. 
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. If you'd like to grow some plants that uh, don't need a whole lot of care, well, consider the herbs. They grow a lot better in potting mix or average soils if you have them in the ground, and they don't want any fertilizer. Fertilizer with herbs can actually reduce the flavor and the quality of the plant material. Also, the majority of the herbs don't need a whole lot of watering either. So if you'd like to have some plants that are need, you know, you can have them in pots or in the ground that need minimal care, this is probably what I'd recommend. And what could be better than herbs as far as just smelling or using them for cooking or anything else? Let's head over now to John's yard. Hi, John. Hello. Hi. Yes. Uh, I have two questions. I planted uh, a crepe myrtle and a rose bush last spring. Uh, this year they're they're coming up, but only from the ground. All the, the the new growth from last year doesn't have any greenery on it at all. No leaves, anything. Uh, is that okay? I mean, should I cut that off or? Should I just leave it alone? I would say leave it alone because it's a little bit premature for the above-ground growth on both those things to be leafing out. And uh, the fact that you're getting some coming off the root system, that just means the root system's pretty uh, probably got fairly well established. So if by the time um, early, let's say Memorial Day comes around, if the stems that are above the ground don't have any growth or foliage or anything on them, then go ahead and cut them off at that time. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. That's all I had. My pleasure. And now let's see what's going on with Gloria. Hi, Gloria. Good morning, Mike. I'm planting a um, perennial bed in my yard um, about 40 feet away from a sweet gum. And I have barrels of sweet gum balls. Is it possible to use those balls as mulch instead of buying mulch? Well, it's they're not really ideal for mulch because they don't really break down that well. And mulch, you know, isn't a you know it does help with weather controls and things like that for the root system. But also the mulch, you know, slowly but surely breaks down, and that kind of enriches the soil. So that's the only disadvantage of using the sweet gum balls is they just kind of they'll sit there and they can protect. What you might try is just try it on a, you know, a section of it and see what you think, but it's, uh, you know, it's not really all that advisable. Well, do you have any other suggestions for what to do with them? They're beautiful. I just feel badly throwing them away. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have there's sweet gum trees, uh, you know, in the park across the street from us, and the sweet gum balls that land in our yard, I just throw them back in the park. So. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> okay. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. Sure. Yeah. There's. Uh, I mean, they produce a heck of. A, if, I don't know what size your tree is, but they produce a heck of a lot of sweet gum balls some years. And uh, yeah, it's about fifty years old, oh. so it has. Yeah, it has tremendous output. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but I've seen you know people uh, you know in the holiday season paint them with spray paint, like silver and stuff, and just kind of scatter them around. But uh, beyond that, I've not really seen too much of them being used for anything else. Okay, just trying to be sustainable, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right, sure. Okay, thank you. Yep, and now let's go to Annie's yard. Hi, Annie. Good morning, Mike. Hi. 
also, um, I have a question about azaleas. Can they be planted between two knockouts if I control the acidity with an azalea fertilizer? Uh, they should be able to. Not too close, though, because the uh, az- the roses, the knockout roses, get pretty good size. So I don't know what uh, what the space is in between the two that you're trying to plant in between. Yeah, it's a little marginal. I just trimmed the knockouts to control uh, the shape of them. They were getting pretty out of control there. I would say um, then I'd probably stay away from that because it sounds like the root systems of the roses are probably in the area where you're going to be putting the azaleas. And azaleas are really not good fighters when it comes to being going up against root systems of anything at all. And yeah. so that's uh, going to be marginal. If you want to try some established um, knockouts, so they'd be fighting for the water system too. Right. Probably. What you might try to do is, if you want to grow an azalea, and you, I mean you're going to take a chance with it, but uh, plant it in a pot and then set the pot in that area. Now sometimes the azaleas will go a couple years and do pretty well in pots. But depends upon the weather, and uh, some years they don't make it, you know, to the next year. But you can always replace it. Right. So, but they would winter over, okay? Yeah, in pots, I've I've done it myself. I'll tell you the strongest and toughest varieties of the azaleas slash rhododendrons both are the purplish ones. Okay. Uh, talking about pot size, if I get a established uh, tomato plant that, say, it's already two to three feet tall, what size pot? And I'm putting it in a pot this year because I have limited space uh, in the garden. What size diameter should I be looking at for pot? I would get a, at least a five-gallon one, if not a little bit bigger. Okay. It, the bigger I go, is there any um, any disadvantage if I put, a, like, a false bottom in it? No, there's not a disadvantage at all. Just make sure there's, you know, drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. And this way, the you know, so, I mean, you can't get a huge pot. I mean, you could, but it's you just be wasting your time in a way. And uh, the potting soil, but just grow it in potting soil. Use a tomato food that probably historically you've used. And uh, just make sure that you understand when they are in pots, when we have like the last couple days when it was so windy, that, you know, plant materials in pots at that time were really getting dried out pretty quick. So yeah. it just makes a, you know, a little bit more work from that standpoint. Okay, so when you're saying five gallon, what would be the diameter of, just a, a pot equivalent to that. Let's say, well, I'm saying five-gallon black plastic nursery pot because the black plastic warms up the soil, and that helps your tomato plant with the root system and everything else. But probably you're looking at uh, maybe 12, 14, you know, 16 inches. Okay. Not 12. 12 is too small, so probably 14 or 16 inches. Okay. Uh, you talk about fertilizing house plants at one half label rate. Is that just for now going into season or in general? Just in general. They don't need a whole lot of food, you know, because they're generally, you know, in a very controlled environment with the size of the pot and everything else. So I just overfeeding just a lot, a lot of times, depending upon the fertilizer you're using, you can actually end up with like a white film on top of the potting 
mix that it's growing in, and that's because of the more or less the salty residue of the fertilizer. In other words, there's too much. Mm-hmm. And fertilize every other watering? Oh, no, that's too often. Yeah, okay, good. I don't do it that often. Once a month? <laughs> yeah, uh, probably you know, once every three or four weeks during the, while they're actively growing. During the wintertime, minimal. Right. I don't even do it in, in the winter. Yeah, you're right. And the last thing is, um, anyone who's interested, I've got two boxwoods. They're very healthy. They're about uh, five to six years old. Uh, I just want to change up my landscaping. So if they want to come dig them up, they're theirs for free. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you, digging up something and transplanting at this time of year, especially something like a broadleaf evergreen like what the boxwood is, that could be somewhat iffy. Okay, but I'm I'm just throwing it out there. That sounds good. Now, uh, if anyone is interested and wants to take a chance, do you prefer I give my phone number in private or over the air? Uh, well, just go ahead if you can do it quickly. I'm in New City. It's 314-721-0149. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Uh, there's Steve Moore on the phone. He says, Mike Miller, you're gone for doing that. Anyway, I'll tell you some of the, you know, the, the spring color. The pansies are looking spectacular. They have had a great spring so far with the fluctuations and temperatures and everything else. Man, the ones that I have and the ones I've seen as I'm walking around, wow, really, really, really good. So anyway, pansies, mwah, perfect this year. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after the news. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. The second hour of the Garden Hotline. Oh, by the way, thanks, Scott. (laughs) Opens with the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition of individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And, uh... It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, if you've got any ideas, questions, or concerns, or comments about your plant world, whether they're plants that are growing inside or your outside plants, give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions range from making plant selections for a specific location, uh, how to care for those plants, uh, talking uh, during uh, how are they going to look, let's say, during the peak season. That's great. But how about the times when it's not their peak season? So whether it's annuals, spring, summer flowering bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous or evergreen ground cover, Perennials, cascading houseplants, or you know all the other different kinds of plant material there is. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that you can take for success. And uh, it's just strictly offered for you to consider. A very important player in this game that we're playing here is uh, Drew. Drew is the producer, so he answers the phone. He just needs your first name. And then I'll put your name up on the computer screen, and then I will talk to you. First come, first serve. And uh, I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. 
And besides this Saturday morning get-together, I can come out to your plant world and have an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. My website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. There's a homepage with my email address and my phone number, so you can get contact me that way. The tip of the trial, as I said before, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As we looked out, when I was coming down to the station, I saw Market Street. It wasn't closed yet, but it was all the barricades and everything were sitting there, and they said it's going to be closed real soon. So I guess there's a Earth Day marathon so not only that, but all the people that enjoy any kind of aspects of Earth Day, the tip of the trial goes out to you. So whether you're running in the marathon or whatever it is, maybe it's only a mile distance, doesn't really matter. But Earth Day uh, just has been around for a long time. And if you're headed to Forest Park, just be patient because lots of people head out there to the Muni for the Earth Day celebrations and uh, just be patient, as I said before, because, you know, Forest Park, even if you're really familiar with it, sometimes when there's a special event there, it can kind of <laughs> cause some snarling traffic and all that other stuff. And if you haven't been into Forest Park for a year or two, there is some changes in the road directions and things like that. So just be, as I said before, just be careful and cautious. So let's say, why don't we go ahead and just where should we go first? Uh, let's go to let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a hibiscus tree, and I was wondering. Uh, they say the shiny leaves you have to keep inside in the winter, and the dull leaves that can stay out. And I wondered if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the hardy hibiscus that grows outside is it doesn't keep its leaves in the wintertime. So they're completely different plants, you know. So, I mean, I don't know what shiny leaf, you know, dull leaf, what that actually means. But wherever you bought the plant, they should be able to tell you that if it's a tropical, meaning it has to go inside during the wintertime, or it's a hardy variety so it can stay outside. Well... I've been keeping it in every year. I've had it for, I don't know, six, eight years. Well, this must be a tropical one, so uh, that's fine. And it has new coming up. They're about six or eight inches high. What do I do with them? Do I leave them grow, or do I take them out of there? Or? So, in other words, you're saying it's coming up off the, off the root system, or is it coming up off the, off the stem of the or? Trunk. It looks like it's coming off the root. Okay. I don't see it coming off of the base of the plant. Okay. I would say they're probably not going to make it all that great. And uh, as far as being able to be productive, has it been flowering on a routine, regular basis for you since you've had it? Yes, as long as I uh, feed it, you know. Right. Fertilize it and keep it in a bright light. I'd say uh -huh. any of the stuff that's coming off what you're speaking of, Go ahead and just cut those off. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your info. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. And now let's go over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Hi. I actually have two questions. My first one is I have three azalea bushes in my landscaping in my front yard, and they've been in there about five years now. 
and they bloomed every year. But I go out there, and they look terrible. There's, like, no green leaves coming in, and they have, like, a grayish look to the branches. And the leaves that are on there are brown and brittle. So I got out there last month, and I did the Miracle Grow Acid-Loving Fertilizer, thinking that would help. But it really hasn't. So could they have suffered during that bad spell we had? That certainly could be the case. So uh, the fertilizer uh, is not necessarily going to, let's say, perk up something that got damaged due to weather. And uh, just, uh, I mean, you're just going to have to kind of keep your fingers crossed. You've had good luck with them. And azaleas and both rhododendrons, I mean, they're kind of marginally hardy for here regardless. And uh, they, I mean, they can get, uh, let's say, punched in the chin pretty easy by some of the nasty weather that we do have. So should I be patient and hope they come back? Or yeah, when should I, I give say, up and dig them out? Well, I would say leave them alone because you've had several good years with them. You've fertilized them, and I would go ahead and uh, just watch for you know any kind of new growth or stems or whatever coming off new growth coming new foliage growth coming off the stems, and uh, just like I said, be patient. Okay. And my second question is, I have yew bushes on the side of my house, and they have all kinds of yellow needles that are mixed in with the green, and the branches look a little limp. So I've been going out there every day, and I'm blasting the yellow needles off with my hose on the jet spray. And when I do that, it looks like there's little bugs that fly out. So should I be concerned? They're really, really old. Yeah, the ewes are not uh, something that really are, is impacted adversely by insects. So the you know the gnats or whatever that you're knocking out with the with the hose, that's kind of a bad thing to be doing anyway. Because if they could be uh, with our crazy rainfalls that we've had, they could have gotten over wet because you said they're aged anyway, and yeah. uh, that can cause you know kind of some limp growth. And some yellowing of some of the, uh, the needles. Oh, so just leave them alone now, and, and uh, uh, those needles will eventually fall off by themselves? Yes, you don't have to knock them off with, you know, especially a power washer or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, bye. Yep, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's start off with Terry. Hi, Terry, how are you? Hi, Mike, good morning. Good morning. I, I have a, an in-ground pool, and uh, on the back side I have a landscape bed, and it, in that landscape bed, which is... On one on the back side, there's a retaining kind of wall. Cut out. And, pardon? Hello? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, on the back side, there's a retaining wall, and I've planted in between the pool and the retaining wall. I have four or five dwarf blue atlas cedars, and another plant that I I don't know what it is, but it looks like a giant octopus. I think it's a cedar. Also, it comes up about two feet in the middle, and then all the branches go straight down and spread out like the arms of an octopus. Ah. And they all have, all these plants have done extremely well since I planted them five years ago. 
until this year. And the the one that I, I suspect it's a cedar, but I don't know, the one that looks like an octopus, mm-hmm. I think it's dead. It was it was fine earlier six weeks ago. Now all the lead, all the needles are falling off, and it seems to be dead. And I've noticed that the dwarf blue atlas cedars tend to have a little brown here and there. So I'm wondering, is it too dry? Where I'm at, I haven't got any rain for about three weeks. Is it too dry, or do I have a disease? What should I do? Yeah, I think it might be just weather-related, but I don't think it has anything to do with rainfall because, you know, the— the the trees that you're describing uh, don't need a whole lot of rain. So my thought maybe even if you haven't had any rain for three or four weeks, there could have been a period of time where there was an exceptional amount of rain in a relatively short period of time, and it kind of damaged the root system by drowning them. I see. So in other words, I... it's kind of an enclosed planting area. Okay. Well, right now, just as a kind of a preemptive thing, if I sprayed the blue atlas cedars with a a disease control, a fungicide or disease control, would would that be a a good move to make or not? No, you're just you're strictly guessing. So I'm still thinking is coming from as a result of the root system. So you know if. If you had fungus or anything like that on them, you could see that actually on the needles. But uh, from your description, it doesn't sound like it's related to, uh, you know, to something that's happening or occurring above the ground. And generally, those, you know, those plants are not really prone to, and especially this time of year, any kind of uh, fungus circumstance because the weather hasn't been right for fungus to really take off on anything. Okay. Okay. The the plant that looks like an octopus, I, I don't know what that is because the landscaper that put it in removed the tag. Do you have any <laughs> idea what that plant is? Uh, it's not. It's a little tough. I would just take a picture of it and take it to your favorite garden center. They should be able to identify it. Okay. I, I have one other question. I have inside the house, I have some spathophyllums growing and they did pretty good. They haven't done so well lately. I've got them in a tray with rocks. The, the pot is sitting in a tray with rocks, and I keep water on the rocks so they soak up water from beneath. Am I doing the right thing or not? Yeah, it should be okay. Just so, just you know, watch and make sure that uh, you know the the potting mix that they're growing in is not really spongy and damp all the time. They don't okay. mind the moisture, but they don't want it constant because even they can have, you know, even though they're tropical, they can have some damage done by overwatering. Oh, okay. Should I fertilize those occasionally? Oh, sure, absolutely. And start doing it, uh, you know, when the days start, you know, getting longer, like this time of year, and then fertilize them, uh, you know, monthly all the way up until August or September. And, again, just do half-label rate. So if it says, you know... This amount in a gallon of water, just put half that amount in. Oh, okay. I, I also have two gardenia trees on the front porch. Ooh. And it's an area that gets early morning sunlight for two or three hours, and then, then it's shaded. And any advice? I've always had bad luck with gardenias. Any advice on what I should do to try to keep these blooming and looking decent? Uh, ship them south. 
they don't really like it here all that much, especially outside. So, I mean, they're, they can survive to a certain point, but they're never really going to be aesthetically anything where, you know, that you would anticipate. Well, is, is an eastern exposure the, probably the best for the light? or? Well, I mean, you, you probably have them in an okay circumstance or situation, but again, they just don't like our, our weather in general with this up and down temperature-wise, you know, pouring rain for, you know, three or four days and then no rain for X amount of days, and it's just too, too erratic. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, thank you very much for the advice. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's, where should we go? Hmm, 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 hmm. Let's go over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Hello, Mike. Um, I just had a couple questions today. Uh, one of them was just, as your show was starting this morning, I looked out and I saw three of my beautiful hostas in the backyard had been munched down pretty close to the ground by, I'd assume, a deer. It could be, um, if you have deer in your neighborhood. Yeah, they move through the backyards okay. here sometimes, right? They're like in almost all the neighborhoods out here, I think. But um, so there's still some a decent amount of plant coming out of the ground there. Um, if I maybe put some wire up around it to protect it a little bit, will will more leaves come out? I've never pinched a, like a hosta back, right? Is there only so many leaves you get out of it or will other leaves come out of it now that some of them have been munched off? There may be there may be some additional foliage growth, but usually it's just, you know, however much it initially comes up, that's what you're going to kind of be stuck with. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about, that they're yeah. kind of damaged for the entire year. Right. And then the other question I had for you was a uh, debate in the neighborhood about do you need to scrape up every bit of your old mulch when you put down new mulch, or can you put new mulch on top of your old mulch and kind of mix it all together? Um, I've always kind of done it that way because, you know, mulch just kind of disappears over time, it seems. Right. Um, and so I just put the new mulch on it. I kind of mix in the old mulch. Um, other folks here are kind of saying, no, no, that's going to get mold in your mulch. I'm like, no, not if you get good mulch. But any advice on that? No, you're right. So what you're doing is exactly what can be done. To get rid of the mulch is kind of contrary to what mulch really does. It, it melts down and helps your soil. It feeds your soil. Yeah, that's what I told everybody. I said it just kind of turns into dirt after a while. Right. And you're just kind of you're just sending mulch to a landfill or someplace that right. it really doesn't need to go to. So That's exactly you're right, exactly right. All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my day. pleasure. And let's see now. Um, let's go and see what's going on in Kim's yard. Hi, Kim. Hi, Mike. Hi. I'm kind of calling you after the fact. I just put down a bunch of sod, 56 pieces of it yesterday. Ooh. I went ahead and I, I spread topsoil before I put it down, just kind of hoping. <laughs> And other than just keeping this totally water-saturated, what else do I need to do? Uh, really not too much, but, I mean, just to put a layer of topsoil on the existing soil wasn't exactly the best thing to do. You should work that you know, the topsoil, I'm assuming, this is not bagged topsoil you're talking about, is it? Uh, 
No. Okay. no. Well, it was delivered, but okay. not in bags. Right. <laughs> so bag topsoil is not so good. But uh, anyway, the topsoil that was brought in, it should have been worked in the soil with even, you know, a garden rake or something because the existing soil is going to be super compacted and it's going to be hard for the sod to, you know, penetrate down through the topsoil. It's going to love that. But then when it hits the existing soil that's compacted as a result of not breaking the surface up before you laid the sod down, then it's going to cause, you know, trouble. Well, I kind of scraped it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Just itsy bit. (laughs) Somebody was telling me to get a roller and roll it. No. (laughs) So it kind of pushes it down and helps. Well, sometimes that will help, but that's only if you've already worked up the soil. That's just to make the sod so it's in good contact, the entire piece of sod with the ground. But... uh, that's not really something that you really need to do in your, you know, in your individual circumstance. That because that could even compact the topsoil even a little bit more. So that's not uh, going to do all that much. So I should just appreciate whatever survives out right. here, huh? Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I I appreciate the info. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's head over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Hello, Greg. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, Really enjoy your show. I planted the wrong variety of a weeping willow. It was a pussy willow. I really wanted a weeping willow that would get to be 50 foot tall. <laughs> they do have them available at the uh, at the garden garden place right down the street. Right. My wife says I can't I can't plant tonight because of the weather. Is that true? Uh, well, you can plant. You mean she thought it was going to get too cold? Yes, exactly. Well, that's not going to make that much difference because it's going to be at the nursery and it's going to be cold there, too. So actually, yes. if, if it's sitting above ground in a pod, it's going to like it better if it's into the into the soil, into the ground. That's what I told her, but uh, she's <laughs> listening. So, <laughs> and should I water? Should I water that and fertilize it when I put it in? No fertilizer, but definitely water. Okay, lots of water tonight. Yeah, lots of water, and I mean they want to be. They don't want to go through any kind of drought stress at all. Okay. And water that heavily today, that'll protect it from the cold weather. Yeah, that I will heard. Help. That certainly help. And just dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but leave the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. Even, you know, with a willow that can handle, I mean, grow in standing water, you still want to give it to the advantage of uh, kind of the cultivated circumstances your landscape is. Yeah, okay. And then uh, mulch over that right away. Uh, yeah, you know, two or three inches of mulch should be adequate. Okay, very good. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Sure. And let's go to Nandette. Nandetta, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks, Mike. Uh, listen, I've got one question. My husband passed away a year and a half ago. He had a huge garden, so I'm dealing with it now. And uh, I, what I have is a crepe myrtle in my front yard. My front yard is real small. A maple tree grew next to it. 
I want to transfer it to the backyard. Okay, can you give me the steps, and can I do it this week? Yeah, crepe myrtle hasn't leafed out yet, so if you're going to do it, get it done pretty quick. Yeah. But what do I do? How big? uh, The the tree is real thin, but it's about six foot high. And uh, how big is the the hole that I need to dig in the backyard? And what do I, a mulch? What do I do? So are you moving the maple tree or are you moving the crepe myrtle? No, no, the maple tree. The maple tree, because I don't want it next to that crepe myrtle. Okay, yeah, that makes good sense. Uh, From one that sounds like the size that you have, you're probably going to have to have the diameter of the root ball about... uh, 15 to 18 inches and go down at least one, you know, spade deep. So about 12 to 15 inches deep water, this water around the base of it really well before you do it. When you pull it, have the area that you're going to move it to ready to put it right down into the ground. Okay. So what the area that I'm moving it to, how big do I I dig? Uh, Three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80% is deep. Oh, three times the diameter and 80% As deep. deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball will be above the surrounding ground. Oh, okay. Above the ground, the top of the root ball. Okay, and so what do, what do I, uh, fertilizer, mulch, water, what do I do that? Uh, you're going to water it when you put it in. No fertilizer goes into the, you know, into the hole or anything. And just kind of don't worry about fertilizing at all. Just, uh, you know, make sure that it doesn't go through any kind of drought stress if we have extended periods, and especially if there are extended periods of windiness. Oh, okay. All right. And then just water it after I put it in the ground. Right, exactly. No no, no mulch or nothing. Oh, you can no. put mulch on it if you mulch. want. Just two, yeah. to th- two to three inches of mulch over the top of the root ball. Oh, okay. And then my crepe myrtle, they look dead right now, but they are, that's always like that, right? They come up later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Love your show. Bye. Well, thank you. And let's go to Joseph's. Hi, Joseph. Hello, Joseph. Are you there? there? Hello. Hi. Uh, hi. <laughs> Just hold off yes, the bag. go ahead. Let you know they're active. Let's see. Um, I want to use cow manure. If I just dig a hole, say maybe about uh, eight inches, ten inches deep, put just a, a fistful of manure in the ground, will that have any benefit for a plant? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just want to know. Yeah, it really, I mean, manure in, in and of itself is not all that to the advantage if it hasn't been, let's say, cooked in the composting process. Uh-huh. So just uh, I'll tell you, the uh, cosmos are really starting to starting to pop up. Uh, I was thinking of doing that before, but I guess it's not a good idea. Okay, just want to know. Okay. Okay, peace be with you. Have a good day. Same to you. And now let's see. Let's go to Don Jard. Hi, Don. Hey, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. I heard on your show last week when you was referring to planting grass seeds, and you uh, commented that you rather plant your grass seeds more in the fall than in the spring. Can you tell me the advantage of planting better in the fall than in the spring of the year? Well, basically in the spring, the ground is cold because we're coming out of winter. The rains are a lot colder. And so that kind of 
monkeys with the ability of the grass seed to germinate. Then when the grass seed does germinate, then it's facing our summertime, which is going to, regardless of what type of grass seed you're putting down, is really, really difficult for the grass plants that have germinated. Where in the fall, the ground is warm because we're coming out of spring, so that makes that sort of speeds up the germination process. Then once it's germinated and started to grow, then it gets to go to sleep for the winter time. I oh I see uh huh now uh can can you will flowers grow can you grow uh annual flowers in those uh planters that's oh about ten inches long about three inches deep you know what I mean is that deep enough for you to take the plants it's out a- of it just depends upon what type you're growing, but that's three inches deep is not really deep. I so see. that's not good enough for because of the way our weather is and everything else. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You know, those those plants that you see, they they look like a tree. You know what I'm saying? They people hang them on their uh, windows and on the balconies and things of that nature. Yeah, there's window boxes. They're deeper than three inches. They're usually four or five inches deep. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. But Is that deep bo- enough? And Yeah. I mean, I grow a lot of stuff in window boxes. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm, I, I got some window boxes, and I got about four of them. I've been here for about four or five years. Can I? Is it best to take that old soil out and put in fresh soil because I got I want to change them out. Yeah, you don't really need to. I mean, if I use, you know, oh. I, I sort of sometimes I dump my uh, potting mix that I've had in pots or window boxes in yeah. Rubbermaid containers for the wintertime. But sometimes in some of them, I just leave it in there and I just mix in some new, you know, new stuff right before I yes, plant. Yes, sir. All right. Okay, that's good. Okay, you answered my question. Great. All right, then. Thank you so very much. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Have a great day. You too. And now let's see what's going on in Patty's yard. Hi, Patty. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, um, I have a uh, mulch garden bed, and last year it started to grow that dog vomit. I know it's not really fungus or moss or anything like that. So when it uh, crested over, I shoveled off as much as I could and disposed of it. But I'm going to add mulch to that garden, and I see that there's a lot of the yellow veins uh, residual in there. Do I need to get rid of all that mulch before I top it off? Is that uh, going to infect the new mulch? It could. I mean, it, it won't, have, let's say, infect it if it's been the mulch is done, in, you know, com- correctly. But it could just come up and grow on top of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is some nasty stuff. <laughs> oh. um, so, any other suggestions to get rid of that? Uh, just, I would say, shovel the area up. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, turn it yeah. over. And don't do anything. Let it uh, kind of be exposed and see if you can right. get rid of it. Okay. Very good. Thanks. Like your show. All right. Thank you. And let's see. Oh, let's go ahead and take a break. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we have a couple phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Hey, um, uh, about a month ago, I guess, March, we had that real nice week there, and I uh, cut up a lot of, um, like, maiden grasses and stuff like that and transplanted them. Mm-hmm. And now they're not looking like they're uh, greening up. Is it just still too early, or yeah. will they be all right? Yes, yeah, she. They should be fine. So it it's a little bit uh, early. I haven't seen any there. I've seen a few clumps that have had some uh, new blades coming up, but not a whole lot. Okay, I, yeah, a couple of them. They just still look pretty brown. A couple of them with a little blade here and there. So if it's got a little green on it, they're probably they're kind of hard to kill, aren't they? <laughs> they're pretty tough. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Very good. Thanks a lot. Sure. And now let's head over to Phil's yard. Hi, Phil. Michael, thank you. I had a large tree taken out of the front yard, and I have hospice plants. I have full sun now. Ooh. Will they be injured? And uh, is there any certain time of year you can separate those things? Well, you can separate them now because they just really have come up. They shouldn't be, uh, you know, full size. But, yeah, they're going to just get sunburned. Okay. So aesthetically, they're going to be – they won't kill them necessarily, but uh, the foliage will look fine until we get probably until – mid-June or so, and then they're going to start browning. And then by the time we're to mid-July, they're going to be basically gone. I got you. Okay. So I have to get them out of there then. Okay, thank you. Sure. Thanks. And now let's go to another Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Yeah, good morning. Thank you very much for your service. First of all, we really appreciate it. I just have a quickie for you. I read an interesting article about cleaning mildew off of sidewalks and driveways. 
and they suggested using a solution of half chlorine bleach and half water. My question is, will that harm the grass? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How much it's going to harm, it just depends upon the grass situation. But uh, bleach is not something that uh, plant material likes in general. Well, that's what I thought, but... uh, uh, you know, if they had said ammonia in water, I, I think the uh, the ammonia would not be as offensive to the grass as the chlorine. Yeah. Or okay, vi- well, I guess I'll search for another solution. Yeah, or vinegar in water, that would be something. But maybe if you just, you know, if you just, let's say, used a, a sponge mop or something like that and just scrubbed it on and not have a bunch of it run off, then you should be okay. Well, I'm going to have to wash it off, and I was most concerned right, with, exactly. the, with the wash-off. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. I will look for another solution, All right. literally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a solution. And now let's go to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Scott. Thank you for your program. Sure. Uh, we planted daffodils in our front yard, uh, garden area, about five years ago. They come up every year, full buds, but never bloom. Never open. The f- so it has buds and the buds never open? Correct. Wow. Full, full That's kind of unusual that they, you know, pu- you know, push up the buds because I could see it if they weren't pushing up the, you know, the, the stems with the buds on them. So I would say maybe try just giving them a little, you still have time to fertilize them once or twice more and see if that will help them. Okay. Okay. Well, what, kind? what kind of fertilizer do you recommend? Uh, just uh, just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you want to uh, fertilize your daffodils, and they'll give you, you know, whatever they have that they you know have on, in in stock that's the best. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah. We'll uh, give that a try. All right. And now let's go to uh, over to Pam's yard. Hi, Pam. Good morning, Mike. Hey, thanks for your service. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a question about my irises. I'm getting more green leaves than the flowers. I've transplanted one little area, and that's been three seasons ago, and I haven't gotten any flowers in that section. Please help. Basically, they're old. So in other words, iris, when they get to a certain point, will still continue to push out foliage, but they sort of like, as they get older, they don't push out any kind of flower buds. So should I just dig those up and throw them out? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're not going to, dividing them, fertilizing them, doing anything is not going to really make them younger again. Super. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Sure. And now let's head over to Jean's. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. Um, a lady called in before, and she wanted to know what to do with their sweet gum balls. And I have window boxes on the back of my house and also planters on my patio. And the squirrels get in there, and they dig up my flowers. And I put a few sweet gum balls in there, and I don't have any more squirrels. Oh, really? All right. Yeah, they they keep the animals out (laughs) from digging (laughs) up your flowers. So I thought I'd tell you. (laughs) Well, that's great. That's the kind of insight I like to hear. Good. Well, I hope it helps. Yes. Okay, thank you. And now let's go over to Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. I have a quick question for you. I planted a couple of clematis. What do I need to do to protect them from the upcoming cold these next few days, please? Uh, They should be okay. Oh, good. Great. 
I mean, Thank I don't you very know. Much. I don't know how much you know how how much foliage they have or anything, but uh, if you do get some damage as a result of the cold, it's not really going to get below freezing. So it's just going to be more or less cosmetic, and uh, shouldn't be you know anything to be overly concerned with. Thank you very much. Good to know. Take sure. care. And now let's see what's going on in Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Yeah, good morning. Um, my questions are around English ivy. Uh, had it growing up. I've uh, moved four years ago into the home I'm in now, and it looked great up until, I would say, the middle of winter and into spring. It almost looks like someone sprayed it with a weed killer. Some of the leaves, most of the leaves are like half brown and half green, and I don't know what would have caused that. I thought it was a hardy ivy. It is tough, but basically before it was ready to go, let's say, dormant for wintertime, we had that cold snap, and a lot of the broadleaf evergreens, whether they were ground covers, whether they were shrubs or anything else, got damaged as a result of that cold snap. Uh, What should I do now? Anything? There's nothing you can do. You're not going to—the leaves that are brown are ultimately going to just, you know, fall off. But there's nothing you can do other than, you know, once you start to see some active growth, if you want to do some fertilizing, you can do that. But that's about all you can do. Unless, uh, you know, you can say, I don't know how dense this uh, is as far as thickness. You could set your mower high and try to come cut some of it off if you wanted. But I don't even know if that's worth the trouble. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Art. Can you do it kind of quick? Yeah, Mike, I'm wondering about healing in of saplings. Can you keep them healed in through the winter? How would you go ahead and handle a bunch of saplings that you had and you don't have holes dug for them right now? Uh, basically, I would just you know put them in pots personally and just sink the pot into the ground. And that way you... When you when you want to pull them out, they're going to be much easier, and you won't do as much damage because you're using a potting mix as opposed to the soil that they would grow be growing in in the ground. You know, I got about twenty saplings. Okay, so you could probably you know just get go to favorite garden center and see if they have any black plastic nursery pots, even just one gallon size, the yeah. relatively small ones. And put uh-huh. put three saplings in each one with a potting mix. I see. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And that's going to be about uh, all the calls we can take for today. So I guess I will see you next week. And just remember the phone number for next week, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Happy Earth Day. Enjoy, folks. Here comes the sun. It's alright. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.